Greetings. This is Justin Allen with the Elite Nurse Practitioner. Welcome to the Elite Nurse Practitioner Show, a podcast dedicated to nurse practitioner entrepreneurism and achieving financial freedom, where I talk directly with nurse practitioners who need help. Listen up. Our market is saturated. Jobs can be scarce. We are underpaid. We are undervalued. We are taken advantage of by the sharks within the healthcare system. And frankly, screw that. Sick of it. And it's time for a change. And listen, I'm here to help make that happen. We are powerful. We can forge a path where we are in control of our career and ultimately our financial and personal well-being. You do not need to submit to healthcare administrators and your doctor overlords. You do not have to take the measly salary. You do not have to work 50 to 60 hours a week. There is a different way, and I'm here to show you that path. This podcast is raw and unfiltered. I have not talked to nurse practitioners in this podcast prior to the call outside of an email exchange to schedule the episode. What you're about to listen to is a consultation session between a nurse practitioner and myself. It is real, it is unscripted, it is unplanned, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Anything and everything can happen during our conversation. The nurse practitioners in these episodes are struggling with an issue in their professional or financial life, and they have reached out to me for help. My goal is to help a nurse practitioner with actionable advice that will enhance and improve their professional, business, and financial life. My other goal is to hopefully help my nurse practitioner sisters and brothers build a more productive, powerful, and free life. So I hope the content and information within these podcast episodes does just that. All right, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be talking with Kiowana, who practices in Texas. Kiowana is a family nurse practitioner who currently operates her own wellness side practice, where she does aesthetics, IV infusion therapy, and weight loss. She is also working full-time at a family practice to pay the bills and keep her income stable. She has been open for 10 months as a mobile practice, but finally took the leap to open a brick-and-mortar practice just one month ago, and she is needing some assistance with marketing her practice, staffing her wellness practice, some insurance considerations, and she just wants to know what not to do to ensure her practice succeeds. Hey, Kiwana, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I appreciate you uh, hopping on this call and uh, doing this podcast with me. Thanks for having me. All right. So, hey, listen, let's just jump right into this. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been a nurse practitioner for? Um, what you've been doing uh, in terms of work goes, maybe what you did as an RN. Give us a good brief summary of where you're at in life. Okay. That I was an RN for five years. I've worked mainly in pediatrics. I've worked some telemedicine. Um, never have I been into any type of aesthetic practices um, or plastics or anything like that. I went back to school for NP basically because I wanted to be an injector. I wanted to be a nurse injector, and I didn't realize you didn't need to be an NP to do that. But nonetheless, I went back to school for that reason. So here I am 10 years later, just getting back to what I initially set out to do. Um, over my 10 years as a nurse practitioner, I've worked predominantly urgent care. I have a few years of family medicine, which is where I'm at now, and some occupational medicine as well. So I've I've dibbled and dabbled in, in a few things, but I want to revisit my initial dream and, and see how that works out for me. Um, so anyways, I started my journey here with aesthetics, wellness, about 10 months ago, as Justin stated. It was not until I was quarantined during this pandemic that I sat there and I thought, what am I going to do for the next 25, 30 years of my life? I knew I wanted to do something that I wanted to do, not just something to pay the bill. Um, so I did enroll and take a couple of Justin's courses and everything kind of just took 
took off from there. I was able to establish a name for my business. I was able to uh, take a loan for myself of about 4,500 bucks to just kind of get everything started, get my courses going, get my initial supplies going. And I've been going ever since then. Cool. And so you've been a nurse practitioner for how long? 10 years. 10 years. Okay. And how old are you? I am 36. 36. Okay. Oh, hell, about the same age as me. Okay. Well, good for you. Yeah. You're getting started now. Yeah. This is the best time. I think uh, getting started in, you know, your thirties is really the best time to start a business. So, so congratulations there. Yeah. Cool. So you've been open for 10 months. How's the practice going? So the mobile aspect of it, uh, it went much better than I anticipated. It was a one woman show. I didn't have any assistants or any other nurses that were running drips with me. I focused mainly on the IV drips while I was mobile, just because that was easier. You know, it was, it was hard to, to go in and do aesthetics in people's homes just because you don't know how it's set up. So the, the IV hydration is what got me to this point, I like to say, um, but, it, you know, I started to realize that I do need a brick and mortar if I'm going to be practicing aesthetics, um, injectables, fillers, Botox, possibly some laser on down the line and facial. So that's the reason why I ended up going now into getting this this brick and mortar location. Since I've come into the brick and mortar location, I still am only able to be open on the days that I'm not at work uh, at my full time job. So I do more so evenings. I do some weekends and maybe one day out of the week when I am not at that full time job. But it's not going as quickly as I would like. But I do know, too, because. I've not marketed as much as I should have. Um, I also know that I don't have the ability to be there to catch that daytime flow. Sure. So before we jump into the marketing issues that you're having, do you feel like that going from mobile to brick and mortar, do you feel like this was a necessary step to take to basically scale the business? You know, not just doing the aesthetics. I mean, obviously, you know, doing laser treatments and all these kinds of things, it's better to do it, you know, with a place that has all the equipment. But do you feel like going from mobile to brick and mortar was a necessary step to really just grow the business? Like, did you feel like there was a ceiling there with, you know, with a mobile practice? Yes, I did. I I have two thoughts on that. First, I feel that if I had the support or the the business knowledge to be able to formulate a team of mobile IV nurses and let them run those drips for me, as well as me run those drips, it probably would have been a lot more successful. I don't feel like I would have hit that plateau, that ceiling as quickly. But being that it was just me and I'm in a pretty big metropolitan area, I'm in the Houston area, there's lots of traffic and construction. So, I mean, there were days that I would be out there for three hours messing with one drip. Um, So it took a lot of time for me. It was taxing as far as the commute sometimes. And, and I would lose out on trips because I couldn't make it in time. They'd pick up the phone and call somebody else who could get there sooner than I could. So I did feel like I needed a location so I could get those walk-ins or I could, you know, get two and three people in here at a time. So that was another part of the reason for me adding the brick and mortar. Yeah, that's the issue with a mobile practice. I mean, I know a lot of people out there, you know, want to open a mobile practice. That's great. It's a great way to get started because you know, it keeps your expenses low and stuff, but it's very, very difficult to grow a mobile practice, especially for IV infusion, because you can only do one infusion at a time unless you're doing a couple in the house. With a brick and mortar practice, though, you could have 10 chairs and two RNs just, you know, going at it. I mean, it's going to basically 10x your income. So good for you for seeing that early. So you moved in this brick and mortar place about a month ago. You feel like IV infusion was really carrying kind of the, uh, the mobile aspect. You know, you're doing that for 10 months. What was your income 
What did that look like from, you know, when you first started in February up to when you moved into your brick and mortar location? So I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not the best with, with keeping up with, uh, keeping sure. track with things. But what I did was about six or seven months in, I went back through all my sources of income or, or where my payment transaction took place through my Venmo, my Square account, PayPal's, all those. And that's not even including cash. Um, And I totaled up for that to be about 30 grand. And like I said, that's with me doing this as a side hustle. Sure. So I was, I didn't expect that because that definitely was not what was in the bank. So I did not expect to come up with that number. When I saw that, I, I thought to myself like, okay, this can be lucrative. Yeah. Okay. So that was $30,000 in revenue, right? Before right. expenses. Okay. Right. How much money did you have in the bank though? Because the bank doesn't lie. The bank doesn't lie. So correct. <laughs> when I looked at my bank account, I had about nine grand in there. Okay. Okay. So I, I did, I, I know I put money back into for supplies for, you know, gas and, and car expenses, those type of things. But I didn't, I did not specifically pay myself. I just, I utilized those funds for, you know, everyday spending that would incur when I'm out doing my IV drills. Sure. So to speak. Yeah. Uniforms, clothes, those type of things. So you had about a 30% profit margin, which, you know, anywhere a profit margin between 30 to 50% seems about right for most niche practices after all expenses and everything. So you're right on track there. But the issue was that, yeah, you, to make more money, you had to see more patients and work more. Mm -hmm. And well, you're working a full-time job and it's just you. So yeah. Yeah. So that seems about, uh, seems about accurate. So, I mean, Hey, listen, it was profitable. You didn't lose money. So you you made almost $10,000 in, uh, you know, nine months or so, not the greatest, but it allowed you to springboard to where you're at now. So you're in this brick and mortar practice. You just moved in there. How many patients have you seen so far there? Um, I've seen, I'd say maybe about 20. It's been, I opened Black Friday. So it's been, maybe, actually it's been about two weeks then. So maybe 20. Okay. So you've seen 20 patients so far. It's not bad. Has that all been IV infusion or has that been, uh, you know, some aesthetics and stuff thrown in there too? That has actually been some aesthetics as well. So in the last, you know, month since you've been open with the brick and mortar, any idea how much you've made? I'd say probably right around six or seven K within these two weeks. Okay. So you've made $7,000 in two weeks. Gross, I'm assuming. Any idea how much that's profit? Would you say that 30, 40% is about accurate? Uh, I, I, I'd say I cheat for a little bit higher just for now, just because, uh, you know, when you're in the aesthetic side of it, you, they start you off with a good amount of product. And so some of that can kind of help with some of the revenue initially. Yeah. Okay. So in two weeks, then working on just Fridays, you've pretty much made about, eh, let's just say three, $3,000 in profit. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, then that's me strictly being by appointment. That's not walk-ins. That's by appointment. Hey, I'll, I'll meet you after work or something like that. Right. Right. Okay. Good. Good. I mean, Hey, listen, that's good. I mean, I'm sure most nurse practitioners listening to this right now are probably like, I mean, she's making $1,500, you know, for working on a Friday. I mean, there's just no way you're going to make that kind of money working for anyone else. It's just not going to happen. Right. Good. Good for you. Okay. So what, uh, so what issues are you having now? So um, I'm stuck at a point on this marketing I've, I've done initially. I didn't pay for any marketing at all. All of this was word of mouth, social media, sharing, that type of thing. You know, I'm familiar with the typical uh, newspaper, radio station, you know, just getting on hand and foot, passing out some flyers to gyms and, and such. But is there any other any other software, any other thing that you would recommend? Like the Google ads, I, I hear pros and cons of that. I mean, anything else online that you would recommend? Well, first and foremost, you know, you have to have a digital presence. I mean, you just do, right? So what's your website like? Uh, I built it myself. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think it looks pretty decent. It, it directs them to where they need to be. And it has okay. all my services there, prices there. 
Okay. Do you have a Google business listing up and running? I do have a Google. I'm having an issue with that because they only respond through snail mail. Right. And I've not been able to change my address from the previous address. First off, that's probably going to be a big thing there. I mean, if the address hasn't updated yet and that sort of thing, um, that's going to be a real hindrance on um, mm -hmm. patients coming in. So, uh, I mean, you know, once you get that address updated and that sort of thing, that will help easily. I'd say probably half of my men's health patients just come from people just finding me on Google. You know, they find me. So with that said, do you have any reviews on your Google business listing? Um, I think I have just shy of about 40. 40? Wow. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, that's really, really good. You know, with you being in the Houston area, you have a lot of competition. So the way you're going to beat that competition is by, you know, having just hundreds of five-star reviews on your Google mm -hmm. listing. So priority number one right now is, you know, free marketing, get that Google business listing, you know, get it up to date, fresh mm -hmm. pictures, all those sorts of things on there. And every patient walking through that door, you need to try to get a five-star review. Give them a free B12 shot or something, whatever, okay? Mm -hmm. But get those reviews. It's critically important, especially for a, a real highly densely populated area like you're in. Yep, so definitely do that. In terms of your website goes, maybe having a professional do a quick one over on it. You know, spending $1,000 on a professional web developer to get in there, streamline it a little bit, make it a little bit more modern looking and those sorts of things are definitely worthwhile as well. Okay? okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then once it's done, it's done, you know? So it's, right. a, it's, yeah, it's just an investment into it. Now, digital marketing. So you haven't really done a whole lot of digital marketing at all. No, I have done nothing but social media. I've joined a few groups. I've paid to advertise in a few groups, but that's about it. Okay. But you haven't actually done pay-per-click advertising with like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or no. whatever? No. Okay. So with IV Infusion and Aesthetics, you can get ads approved pretty easily through Facebook and Instagram. So um, that's going to be one strategy that you can utilize. The trick with social media is to make sure that you identify your target market. So you really have to brainstorm on who is your patient. So who is your patient? Like, who do you feel like that you're attracting? Is there a specific type of woman, a, tip, a specific type of man, a specific type of person who's coming into your practice that wants to get services from you? Have you noticed any trends? Um, actually, I have. I have. Um, I'm, I'm in a, like, right on the suburbs of, of Houston out here. And, um, you know, there is a... I, from what I can see, and especially in, in the area I'm in now, there is a bit of a gap in the health and wellness industry. I think that there is a gap in the people of color and minorities that do participate in these things or, you know, even are familiar with these types of services. Um, so because I am a woman of color, I do realize that I get a lot of people of color, whether it be Black, Hispanic, um, whatever, but I get a diverse population coming to me. And, and I think it's because of trust and it's because I've established myself within the community 10 years as an NP already. So I, I, I do get from what I can see a certain demographic population. Okay. Is the area that you're in, is it predominantly, you know, like African-American? Is it tip, you know, is it, is it predominantly a, you know, a diverse area or? So the area that my brick and mortar is in is a predominantly Caucasian area. I, I okay. happen to graduate from high school here and, and lived here, and, but about 10 miles up the road is where I actually live now. And that's predominantly African-Americans. So okay. I'm kind of establishing between both communities. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, utilize your strengths here. I mean, if, a specific population seems to trust you and you see that, like you see a trend here with that, then that's going to tell you that 
how you target your patients moving forward online is by utilizing that strength. So, you know, if you're seeing more people of color, which is great, why don't you go ahead and start thinking about, let's say, who within the African-American population in Houston, who are those people? Can you get it down even narrower? Like, are they African-American people who are interested in, I don't know, for example, some sort of sport or some sort of hobby or anything like that? Do you feel like you can narrow it down even further? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure I could. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's what you're going to have to do. So okay. what you'll do is when you get into Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, when you get in there to advertise, what you'll find is that you'll be able to select the demographics. And so you'll have to play around with who those ads are going to directly, okay? That's the power of digital marketing, that you can really narrow in who sees your ads, right? Just off the top of your head, can you think of maybe a specific hobby or interest that you might be able to, to utilize when you create your ads online? Uh, I think, like you said, sports is a good one. I think um, maybe um, like, happy, uh, I don't know if, if you can select like, I don't know, happy hours or night um, nightlife or something like that. Because oh, yeah. it tends, you know, it tends to be a younger crowd and they're into those things and following those things. So yeah, I definitely think that I can narrow that down. Okay, good. So what you'll do is you'll basically tailor your ads for that. Okay. So okay. the images on your ads, let's say for aesthetics or Ivy infusion or whatever, it needs to be pictures of people who are doing those sorts of things. And then when you create the ad, they'll be basically targeting those people. Okay. That makes sense. So you'll just get in there and kind of play around with it. So do you have any questions about maybe creating ads on social media there to target a specific demographic? No, that sounds pretty reasonable. Are there any marketing strategy, even if pertaining to the Facebook ads or Instagram that you would avoid that you felt was not effective? Yeah, I wouldn't be using like engagement ads or driving people to your page. I would just do a pay-per-click and get those people onto your website. So when you get onto Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, the social media platforms, there's different types of objectives of the ad. And so that ad will drive people to, let's say, your Facebook page, or they will drive people to maybe engage with your ad to comment on it and those sorts of things. All this stuff is a waste of money, in my opinion. You want people to get off of social media onto your website. So that way they land on a landing page where you sell them on a particular service, Ivy Infusion, Aesthetics, and that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Don't waste your money on getting people to your page to like it or to mm -hmm. follow you. You know, these things are a waste of money. I mean, sure, you know, people will follow you and then they'll see your posts and those sorts of things. But that's not going to really convert patients. You really just need to get people onto your website to book an appointment. That's where you get the patient. Right. In terms of Google ads, what have you heard? You said you haven't heard good things about it. Well, I mean, just from what I've been reading throughout the group, I see some people saying how it was kind of like a money pit. As you kept asking for more and more and they didn't see any results produced. I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't, there was something that, you know, error on their behalf that they didn't do right because they didn't understand how to set it up or, or what. Yeah, they probably just didn't understand what they were doing. You know, a Google search ad works really, really well, especially in a saturated market. And so think to yourself here, you're in Houston, you want some Botox injections, you know, you type in Botox clinic near me on Google, 
and you know all these clinics pop up on on Google search mm -hmm. if you're paying for a Google search ad you know at the very very top you can literally put up there in the heading most affordable botox in this area of Houston cheaper than the competition better than the competition click here for your free consultation boom if someone sees that they're going to click yeah. on it they're going to go to your website chances are high that they might just schedule an appointment with you versus the other guys Gotcha. Yeah. So you got to be kind of creative with it, you know, be thinking to yourself, what would a patient be looking for when they search for it? So it does work. Um, I did that with my men's health practice. I'm about 40 miles north of a larger city that has a couple of men's health practices. And I have targeted ads in that city that says cheaper than the other guys drive up here. It's worth the 45 minutes, half the price. It works. Mm -hmm. I get patients all the time. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, it does work. You just have to be creative with it. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll look into that for sure. Now, what's your marketing budget like? I know it's supposed to be, I believe you said 30%. I won't say that mine is, is that. I haven't really set aside a marketing budget. Not saying I won't spend it, but I haven't set aside a marketing budget. I would like to not spend more than a thousand a month if I can get away with that. But like I said, I have not created an actual marketing budget. All right. I hope everyone's enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to take a quick break to thank everyone listening and also give a big thank you to all of my social media followers and email subscribers. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our email list at www.elitenp.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Email subscribers will receive updates on new weekly podcast episodes, multiple weekly articles we publish, new courses, and everything else related to helping you succeed. Remember, all elite nurse practitioner courses are designed to help you build a niche practice, increase your financial strength, and to break free from the rat race. If I can break free and the other countless nurse practitioners can break free, then so can you. Additionally, please share this podcast with your other nurse practitioners, sisters, and brothers out there. The more NPs that venture out on their own, the stronger our profession will become. Now, let's get back to the episode. So before we jump into numbers here, can you kind of give me a little bit of a, a summary of where you're at financially? I know you're working full time and that's kind of paying your bills and giving you some money and that sort of stuff. How much money do you have to play with with this business? How much money are you willing to invest into it? I mean, what's your financial picture look like? Is all the money coming in from your primary care full-time job, is that just going right out to pay bills and stuff? Or are you able to put a little bit more money into this? Are you able to invest into your business? No, I, I have the ability to invest. That was going to be one of my other questions as well. So, I mean, I have some money set aside. I, I do not want to take out any type of loan unless it's for myself. So, I mean, I have about probably about 20K to play with outside of what I've already done with my setup now. Okay. So you have $20,000 to invest in this practice. Right. So out of that $20,000, how would you feel if you lost it all? Like, would this be something that would be like, oh my God, you're going to go to the loony bin now for a week to recover <laughs> or, or like, yeah, it sucks, but you're going to move on with life. I mean, you never know if a business is going to succeed or not. Okay. A business can fail. So you can lose money. You know, that is a possibility. Right. I don't think you will. It sounds like you're already kind of on a, you know, already do a good start here, but how would you feel if you lost that $20,000? I mean, it's a gamble. You know, I went into this knowing that it was a gamble. And um, to be quite honest, it's, I mean, it's just kind of been money that's been sitting there that I hadn't touched in years anyways. Um, and I look at the bigger picture, you know, I, I, I have multiple assets here and there. Yeah, it doesn't pertain to the business, but I mean, it's, it's not going to make or break me, so to speak. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. That $20,000 has literally lost 10, 15, 20% of its value over the last few years. I mean, especially right. you know, recently, yeah, with inflation and everything. So it's better to put that money to work versus just, just sitting there earning nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if you have $20,000 to invest in this business, is there anything that you need to actually like invest in the business itself, like in the brick and mortar practice? Like, do you need to buy any more equipment? Do you need to buy any more furniture? Like, is there anything like tangible that you need to invest or are you pretty much ready to go? So I am pretty much ready to go along the way. I'm, I do plan on adding some, you know, some other services, but that's not something I need right now to provide services for my client. I have pretty much what I need. I, I will say that I, I went out on a leap as well when I got this building and I did a semi build out um, and, and put about seven rooms in here. And my thought process on that was to get these rooms leased out to different people in the aesthetic industry to kind of help offset some of the, the rent. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that helps as well. Whether that was a great idea or not, I don't know. But I'm hoping over time, you know, because I signed a three-year lease, so I'm hoping over time that will assist me with managing money, staying afloat, maybe helping pay medical director and some of my staff as well. Okay, yeah, for sure. I mean, you have a large business here. You have a large, a large location. I mean, the sky's the limit here. How much are you paying a month for this? So ultimately, when I do start paying, it'll be at $2,200 a month. But that's not bad. I mean, you pretty much already made enough to pay the rent for this month. Yeah, right. 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 That's not that bad. Okay. So you don't really need to do a whole lot now to your practice. You got $20,000 here. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say marketing is the number one function of your business. doesn't matter what business it is. It's the number one function and should be one of the highest expenses in your business. Okay. And so you have $20,000 to play around here with. If you use this money strategically and do it correct, you should get a decent return on investment with that money, okay? Okay. So, you know, if you put that $20,000 into the stock market right now, you're probably going to get about a 7 to 10% return over a year. You will beat that return with your business. So investing that $20,000 into your business, it honestly should double or even triple that amount or even more. Okay. I get a very, very high return on investment with my marketing dollars for every, you know, hundred dollars I put into my men's health practice, marketing it, I typically get four or $500 out of it. So it's very, very worthwhile. So I think that in your case, what might be a good idea is to set that $20,000 aside and decide what you need to do with it for your practice. I think 10 to 15,000 of that probably needs to go to your marketing budget. And I think that then you need to debut that out into a monthly budget. So let's say $3,000 a month. So that would provide you three or four months of marketing expenses. If you're spending that kind of money on your practice over three or four months, your practice's volume should grow considerably. And so you'll then start making more and more money. You'll rinse and repeat. And then that $3,000 a month marketing budget, you won't even think twice about it anymore. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. It sticks with me. I'm one of your... Well, one of your uh, webinars, you mentioned, do you want to grow fast or do you want to grow slow? And Correct. I, I kind of been just staying afloat, you know, just content with what's coming to me. But now that I'm here in this brick and mortar, it's time to kick it in gear. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about this information that you're providing me with. Yeah. If you want to grow slow, that's fine. I mean, you could just sit there and grow nice and slowly, not spend a whole lot on marketing at all. Three or four years will go by and you'll have a good, solid practice. But if you want to grow fast, you're going to have to dump some of this money into marketing. There's just no way around it. So I would suggest 
$3,000 a month, predominantly on digital advertising over you know the next three to four months. And I guarantee you it will pay off. You just need to go into it a little slow so you understand what it is that you're doing. You can blow through a lot of money really, really quick advertising online. Okay. So I would recommend maybe 500 to $1,000 a month on Google ads. Okay. No more than the other $2,000 a month on social media ads. And what you need to do is just create multiple different ads, experiment with multiple different target markets, multiple different demographics, you know, budget, maybe $20 a day for each one of those. See which one pulls, see which one converts, you know, how many people are clicking on a specific ad. And once you kind of find that magic ad, you just put a shit ton of money into it and just like literally watch your volume explode. That's usually what will happen. It just takes some experimentation, a little time. That sounds like a plan. Okay. I'm definitely going to try that out. But anyways, you know, the other five to $10,000 that you'll have, I say you need to put that in your business account. And, you know, if you want to grow this and scale this, you're going to have to start delegating work to others, you know, getting an RN in there, start doing IV infusions for you and that sort of thing. So, you know, having a little bit of money on the side there will help you, you know, pay those people and get that kind of stuff going. Okay. Sounds good. That that actually brings me to my next question or topic. As you had stated before, I planned on bringing in RNs as independent contractors. What would incentivize any RN to come into a new business and be paid per drip when there's not a continuous flow? Or at that point, would you just bring them in hourly and start them at a much lower rate? What what are your thoughts on that? How much are RNs paid there hourly? Um, Well, the the travel nursing has everything all screwed up. But um, on an average basis, they're probably looking at about 36 an hour here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that sounds like a lot of money, but you know, if they're managing two or three IVs an hour, I mean, it's really nothing, you know? So mm-hmm. if you're going to pay an RN hourly, you obviously don't want them to sit there and twiddle their thumbs all day, making right. easy money off of you, right? Yeah. If you're going to pay them hourly, you need to be open for a specific number of hours on Saturday morning, for example, for people with hangovers or whatever, you know, three or four hours, and then you're going to pay the, the RN, you know, $120, $140 for that, you know, for that time. So you need to be very, very careful with how many hours you're scheduling them. And you need to ensure that the hours that you are scheduling them on are busy, busy hours. Now to incentivize them with a production-based model, which is what I would recommend, because when you go with a production-based model, it's very little risk for you as the business owner. And so when I started my telemedicine practice, I hired close to like a dozen nurse practitioners and they were all 100% production based. And so it was little risk for me. They didn't get paid unless they saw patients. So it was, you know, I didn't stress out about it at all. So you have to just put that into consideration. You know, it's not really much of a risk for you compared to paying them hourly. Now, when you pay them production, pay them a good number. And not only will this incentivize them to see patients that want to work, They'll want you to get busy. They'll want you to succeed because they're putting money in their pocket. You're paying an RN 20 bucks per infusion. They're doing, you know, four or five an hour. There's no way they're going to make that kind of money anywhere else, right? Right. So, you know, I think I would just give the RN the option, you know, listen, do you want to get paid hourly or do you want to get paid production? If we do production, sky's limit here. You can make 80 to hundred bucks an hour. If we're just going to pay you hourly, it's just $36 an hour. That's it. I'm not going to give you any production. So you need to choose right now. Do you want to watch this practice grow? Do you want to help me build this practice up? Because that's going to be good for me and that's going to be good for you. And before you know it, we could have 
dozens of patients coming in here a day. You could absolutely kill it. This is easy work. You know, you want to be at the hospital wiping asses or you want to sit here and do some oh, infusions. Right. Okay. That's that's kind of along the lines of what I was thinking as well. Give them that option and explain it just like you did. Yeah. So do you have any other questions about the 1099 RN? Maybe you know this answer, maybe not. If you were to use a 1099 RN to maybe go run a mobile drip, is there any stipulation on them being able to utilize your supplies, vitamins, poles versus them getting their own because they're 1099? No, they're just a 1099. Yeah. Yeah. They're just a contractor working under your business. I mean, they can utilize any of the supplies that you have. There's no, there's nothing to worry about okay. there. Uh, that, that's all on that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the way you're going to really grow this business is by delegating work to others and having multiple RNs doing infusions for you, going out into the city, doing mobile infusions, doing them there in your practice. I mean, if you want to grow this business, that's the way to do it. And plus it generates a great passive income. So mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. As far as the malpractice insurance, is there a certain amount that you recommend, especially now that I have brick and mortar? I'm currently at, well, because I was mobile, I was currently, I was at 200 thousand six hundred thousand what do you recommend is that 200 to 200,000 600,000 is that malpractice or is that or is that just general business liability no that was just malpractice because that's what I had prior to having this location okay so you need to get up to the max limits in Texas I don't know what those numbers are so each state has provisions in you know their malpractice law basically capping the amount awarded to uh, you know, a patient who's injured or dies or whatever for malpractice. Okay. So you need to ensure your malpractice goes up to that limit, no less so the max. and no more, any more than that, you're wasting your money. Okay. So the max Texas limit. Yeah. My state, the max is like 800,000. So I don't worry about getting malpractice for more than $800,000. It's a waste of money. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's like 6 million and there's, there's some really high numbers out there that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really would talk to an insurance broker, you know, for something like this, where you might have multiple staff members working under you and, you know, they would fall under your malpractice umbrella. You know, this is going to be a little bit more of an advanced policy compared to what you can just get off of like CMNF group, you know, doing an mm -hmm. online quote kind of a thing. I really think talking to a broker and having something tailored to what you are doing would be the best decision. You can talk to a wellness medical protection group. They're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Clifton Insurance is there in Texas. They're uh, they're an insurance broker as well. So you can just contact them, get different quotes. Now, be aware, though, with you getting a policy through a broker like that, it's going to be a claims-made policy. It's not going to be an occurrence policy. Do you understand the differences? Yes, yes. I did a lot of um, research and through your site, I, I did kind of come up with that. I'm currently using Baxter, and um, they offer the occurrence policy. And I, I think my rate is pretty reasonable, but... Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I have to obviously look at changing and increasing those limits since I've, I've now added on more staff and et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With staff members and stuff, you really need a tailored policy. So I mean, call Baxter up and see if they'll be able to tailor something for you. They might. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. So, so what do you, what do, what do you think about your journey? I, I'm curious to know what you would change about your journey. What pitfalls to avoid? Ooh, that's uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question there. My goodness. Oh my God. I made so many mistakes. Jeez. Yeah. That's why I created these courses on the website to teach you guys. Not to, I was say, uh, you can't tell. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I messed up a lot. I would say the first mistake was, you know, taking insurance with my Suboxone practice. That was a nightmare. That's what made me just absolutely hate insurance. So that was the first mistake there. The second mistake, I would say it's probably just money management. And so like you said, you know, you have all this money coming in, 
money's coming in and out, you're paying expenses, patients are paying you and that sort of stuff. But, you know, when I asked you what your profit was, you don't really, you really didn't know. Yeah, you didn't know the numbers. So just good financial management of a business is really going to make or break you. So, you know, you need to make sure that you have a good bookkeeper and a good accountant on your side that you could just shoot an email to them and be like, hey, what was my profit last month? And they'll give you those numbers, right? Because you're never going to know if your business is actually profitable or not, unless you actually know those numbers. You can't improve something that you can't measure, right? So yeah, so you need to make sure that you are keeping track of this stuff. How much money is coming out of your bank account on, you know, a monthly basis for expenses, for IV needles, for normal saline bags, for, you know, gas, whatever. Like you need to know what these numbers are because what you can do is you can look back and be like, damn, I'm spending so much money on this particular brand of, I don't know, IV needles or something. When you could maybe cut that expense down in half by going with another brand, but you'll never know there's room for improvement there unless you, you know, unless you look at the numbers. So keeping good track of your finances is really, really important. I would say that I still struggle with that, especially for the first year or two. I had no damn clue where my money was going. I had, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's what scares me actually, because I'm, I'm I acknowledge the fact that I'm not great with that. I am in all other aspects of my life, keeping all that together. But business is completely different than anything I've ever um, encountered. You recommend a bookkeeper versus like a QuickBooks, or what do you think on that? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, when you're first getting started, just keep your expenses down. I mean, I think QuickBooks is just fine. You know, sync it up with your bank account and your credit card and all that kind of stuff. Get in there. You know, just once every few weeks to just, you know, clean it up a little bit and make sure everything looks good. One thing that happens with a lot of entrepreneurs when they first get started is they get in their QuickBooks every couple days. And I mean, that's just a waste of time. That, that's just busy bullshit work. Okay. You're wasting your time okay. doing that. So you just need to only get in there, you know, every three or four weeks, go through the expenses, go through the revenue and that sort of stuff. But, but QuickBooks works just fine at first. What'll happen though, is, is that when you start getting busier and busier and your patient volume continues to increase and, you know, you go from this seven, $8,000 a month revenue kind of thing to 50, $60,000 a month revenue, and you get into QuickBooks and you find yourself spending so much time just managing your books that it's just not worth it. Like that's, that's $25, $30 an hour work that a bookkeeper can do. Okay. okay. You are worth more than $25, $30 an hour. So outsource that shit to someone else. Outsource. Yeah. That answers that question. Okay. Yeah. My bookkeeper and accountant are absolutely vital vital team members of like my overall team. You know what I mean? Like I don't hire them personally, but like they're part of my little circle, my my team. They're critically important. Mm-hmm. In terms of maybe one more thing that I wish I would have done differently is I would say I probably wish I would have maybe hired help sooner. You know, I thought that I could probably get away with doing everything myself. And like what you're experiencing now with your mobile practice is that you kind of reach the ceiling. You just can't really do anything else. And so, you know, you're realizing this early. So the only way you're going to scale and grow your business is by hiring others. I wish I would have done that a little earlier. That's that's actually really good to know. That's kind of what I was toying around with in, in my mind with as well. I actually did hire on a medical assistant to help me with HR admin type things. And obviously like injectable or injections, vital signs and stuff like that. But, you know, 
know, I just kind of been sitting here thinking on it. Did I make the correct choice? Should I have hired maybe at least an LVN instead or an RN instead and have them assist me with that? But then I said, well, maybe an RN wouldn't be too keen on helping with those things. That's outside of their realm of what they came in here to do. So it's just, it's a huge circle on this, the staffing that I'm, I'm running into. Well, what's your ultimate goal here? I mean, you know, you're working at this full-time practice still, and this is just a little, you know, a little niche side practice right now. I mean, what's your goal? I mean, where does Kia want to want to be in, you know, one year from now? Where do you want this practice to be? Oh, I would absolutely love to be here full-time, seeing 20, 30 patients a day. I would, I would absolutely love that. And I am completely aware that the only way I can do that is to either be here or be able to piggyback the the um, financial constraints of having a full staff here running it because I'm not here. But I mean, that's obviously not feasible for a, a new business owner to do who's working on a, a small budget. I'm hoping that going down to part-time will, you know, allow me to be here enough at least to, to build this clientele and be able to see more people daily rather than just, you know, one or two here in the evening at 6 or 7 p.m. So that way I can eventually, um, you know, leave. You going part-time is going to be absolutely necessary for this to happen. Me going part-time at the urgent care was the best decision I ever made for my businesses. Best decision I ever made. Like I was so scared that, you know, I was giving up, you know, this, this, this awesome income. I mean, I was making like 160, $180,000 a year working urgent care, but I was busting my ass. Yeah. You know, I was seeing 60, 70, 80 patients a day. I mean, I was pulling my hair out. I was miserable. It sucked. But me dropping part-time, I was still able to maintain a pretty solid income, but I was so scared that, you know, I lost, I was, I was losing this money. People told me I was going, I was crazy. But when I was able to focus that time and that energy into my practices, the income from those practices increased, like those practices doubled in growth in the short amount of time, because I was able to give them the energy and the time necessary to do it. And then just recently, when I pretty much just quit the urgent care, I mean, I still pick up a PRN shift here and there. But when I quit that, I've noticed that not only has my men's health practice, my medical cannabis clinic, and those sorts of things have grown, you know, I've been able to grow a lead NP. I mean, now I have, not, I have time right now to do to record a podcast with you, right? I didn't have that time before. And so, yeah, so it's the same, it's going to be the same thing with you. When you cut part-time from that, you need to ensure that you have three to six months of living expenses saved up in the bank, just in case, okay? That emergency fund will keep you afloat and it will help reduce your anxiety, all right? And then, so you need to make sure you have that first and foremost. But when you drop part-time, you're going to be able to open that practice up two or three days a week. You're going to be able to put a lot more time into it. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be... That's going to be fantastic for you to do. And so when you do that, you'll be able to see where the gaps are for for staffing and employment. You know, you'll be there. You'll be able to see, okay, maybe I need a full-time receptionist up here. Maybe I need to have a a part-time RN or an LPN or whatever. So, you know, those things will kind of come as as time just goes on. Okay. That, that is very true. You're, and that's probably where I'm lacking is I'm not here and able to see exactly what I need because it's, it's scattered and all everything's on my shoulders. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I've, I told myself, I never want to be that girl to brag about 
the situation of me having to work my full-time job for five years and, and work my side hustle for those five years and, and ultimately be at work every single day of the week and never get a break. I don't, I don't want that story. That's not the story I'm, I'm here to get or want to have to tell. I want this business to grow and be successful and, and stand on its own. I'm definitely uh, excited about this information. You talking to me about your decision to leave when you left or, or step down when you step down is definitely encouraging as well. I was scared shitless. I'm not going to lie. It was scary. And that's how I feel. I've, I've been an NP for a long time and I've accumulated a lot of debt and big things. So, you know, granted, I have a great support system, husbands and, you know, children, but, you know, you never want to put all that on somebody else's back. But I, I do agree. Just make sure you have enough in the bank prior to doing that. Right. If you have that three to six month emergency fund, then, you know, dropping part time at your job is really not that scary. I never even touched my emergency fund. I never even had to touch it. I don't know what the hell I was so scared about. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So do you have any other questions about anything else before before we wrap this up? Do you direct deposit? Well, you have a large practice, so I'm thinking you probably do. But starting off with just one or two, did you even bother with direct deposit and setting up those systems? Oh, that's super easy to do. I mean, through QuickBooks or Gusto, you can just set up payroll through that. And they just link to your bank accounts. And it's just like a direct deposit through you know, through QuickBooks. There's, there's nothing to that. You don't got to write a check or anything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, lastly, as far as adding services along the way, um, do you think that that is something better to better to just add as you go and accumulate the, that money? Or if you had the ability to, if you had that money or if you took out a loan, dump it all into the pot and get started? Well, first off, don't don't take out a loan if you don't have to, okay? It, business debt's stupid debt, in, in, in my opinion. Some people will disagree with me, but, um, you know, Mark Cuban, you know, he said that only fools take out debt for a business. So try to avoid business debt if you can, okay? okay. If, if you don't have to take out a loan, don't take out a loan, all right? But in terms of integrating other services into your practice, you know, you're doing IV infusion, aesthetics, and weight loss right now, correct? All right. So I think that's plenty to provide right now, all right? Mm -hmm. So I think what will happen is, is that once the business starts growing, you're going to see what people want and what they don't want. Services and products come and go. Okay. I mean, I've done certain things in my men's health practice that were a dud and then other things that were, you know, that were a rock star. So it's just one of those things that you kind of have to experiment with it and provide some different kinds of things in there. See what happens. See if peptides take off, see if hormone replacement therapy takes off, you know, maybe the weight loss is a dud. Maybe no one cares. Maybe people are just wanting to come in for IV infusion and aesthetics. You're not going to really know. It's just going to be one of those things that over the next six to 12 months, you'll kind of just figure it out. You'll figure out what people want. Gotcha. That makes sense. Any other questions? No, I believe that's all. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate, uh, you know, I really appreciate you hopping on this call and uh, hope it helped you. And I hope the the audience listening, I hope it, uh, hope it helps, you know, some of you guys too. Yes, it absolutely helped me. Thank you so much. All right. You are welcome. Maybe we can follow up again in, you know, six to 12 months and kind of see where you're at. That would be great. Cool. Awesome. I will right, thank you very much. And thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. All right. I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation with Kiawana. I think that was a great phone call, and I think that she derived a lot of value out of that call. I think that one of the big things to take away from this is, is that you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to invest some money into your business, and you're going to have to learn how to delegate work to others. If your goal is to just operate a little side practice, a little side hustle with just you there, then that's fine. You know, you can probably make an extra three to five, maybe even $10,000 a month 
you know, operating a one-person show. That's possible. If that's all you want to do, then great, fine. But if you truly want to build a practice that's high volume, high revenue, you're going to have to accept the fact that you're going to have to invest money into that business, especially investing the money into your marketing budget. You're going to have to. There's no other way around it. Marketing equals patient volume equals revenue, okay? Marketing is the number one function of your business. Nurse practitioners do not believe me when I talk with them about that. It is. Patient care is important. Yes, that's the important part of the medical component of your business. But the most important business component of your business is marketing. It's the number one function of it, okay? So you have to spend money on it. And then you're going to have to hire other people if you want to grow and scale a business. There's no other way around it. You can do it as a one-person show for a while, but you are going to go insane, okay? You are going to pull your hair out. So you need to accept the fact that you're going to have to hire some help at some point. It can be a medical assistant. It can be just a receptionist. It can be an RN. It can be another nurse practitioner. Hiring out nurse practitioners for my men's health practice was one of the best things I ever did. It gave me back some of my life and gave me back some of my time. It wasn't a one provider show anymore. Other providers were now seeing patients. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. So be aware of that. And do not be worried about going part-time at your job, okay, to put more energy and time into your business. Your business will never grow without your love, your energy, and your time. Hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Quick legal disclaimer, the content of this podcast is meant for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used as legal, financial, medical, regulatory, or practice-specific advice. For information pertaining to your specific legal, financial, medical, or practice-specific needs, please be sure to consult with your lawyer, CPA, medical director, and or your state's practice laws and the most up-to-date clinical guidelines. As always, do your due diligence when it comes to any information found online and in podcasts. The content in this podcast is copyrighted by Galaxy Medical Southwest 2022 and cannot be duplicated, rebroadcasted, or reproduced without our written permission.